in Kaikoura last week, and thank you to all the team that helped. And uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful to be able to go out and and um, go to other New Life churches around the country and just be able to minister there. Kaikoura was a tough assignment, um, just with all the mountains and the scenic uh, views and uh, stuff there. But we made it through with Jesus. Um, help, but as I was preparing uh, the message for there, which I ended up changing at like five thirty in the morning before um, speaking, I found these um, I found these old excerpts from church bulletins. How many remember church bulletins back in there? So, so yeah, too, yeah. Like, it, it, I'll just explain to those. It, it's like tapes and CDs. It's just like it's one of those things. Every Sunday you came to church, you were given a church bulletin that hands you a piece of paper uh, at the door, and it would have instead of videos and all that, that that have the church bulletins. But over the years, people have made mistakes in church bulletins. And they've said things they've, <laughs> they, they shouldn't have said, and I've found some of it to cut some out because you can't even say them these days. But these are, these, are, these are real excerpts from real church bulletins. Just this, this is what they said. Here's one. Don't let worry destroy you. Let the church help. Anyway, so here's another one. Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. <laughs> this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> Good on you, Mrs. Lewis. Thursday at 5 p.m., there will be a meeting of the Little Mothers Club. All those ladies wishing to be little mothers will meet with the pastor in his study. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Please address all letters to Anita. Um, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. The sermon this morning, Jesus Walks on Water. The sermon tonight, Searching for Jesus. <laughs> Last time I spoke, I did a money message, and today I'm sticking with the M theme. Today I want to do a marriage message. Anita and I have been married for 36 years. Years. I always remember every time I say say that. But not, not. I'm not laughing about being married for 36 <laughs> years. That would be dangerous. But the, 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 I always, I, I, whenever I say how long have you, I, I always remember this guy. He used to come to church many years ago. He's a British guy. He, he was from London, and I remember saying, "My wife and I have been married for 30 years. You get less for murder." <laughs> <laughs> I still can see his face. <laughs> Marriage should not be a sentence to be endured, but a union to be enjoyed. It doesn't mean that marriage is easy. I've got this photo here. I thought this was quite, quite funny. Will you please, Anita actually said this to me this morning. Will you please pick up, this is to Adam and Eve, will you please pick up all your clothes? She fails to see that it is autumn. It doesn't mean that marriage is easy. My parents have been married for, they're sitting right here, 
They've been married for 63 years. Yeah, come on. That's... Now, I admire them for that. I know, in fact, that it has not always been easy. They have made mistakes, but they have pushed on through. Murder has been threatened on the odd occasion, but, but thankfully averted. Uh, someone said this, that a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And longevity is worth celebrating. How many people here, you've been married for, say, over 10 years? Put your hands up, over 10 years, keep your hands up. Okay, over 20 years, some more, more hands. Okay, over 30 years, over 30 years. Okay, if you're over 30 years, you keep your hands up. Others put your hands down. Uh, um, over 30 years, the nice and high. No. Over 40 years. Over 40 years, yes, yes, and over 50 years. Over 50 years, okay, okay, come on, give it up. How many, how many years, you guys? 56 and? 53, come on. How many? 54. It's not a competition, guys. It's just, I'm just saying, but, but hey there, can we give them one more clap? They said longevity, longevity should be celebrated and uh, like I said 36 years and Ira and I have been uh, married we have had some adventures for sure I, I think my best or our best wedding anniversary was when we were in Paris and I always said to Anita that we're one day we're going to get a, a free trip to Paris I know it when we got married I just I, I just know I said it'll all be paid for I never knew it was going to happen then one day we were invited and it happened to be on the 25th year of our, our, our marriage to a speaker to conference in Paris. The whole trip was paid for. We, we, we got there and there's the photo. I've got the photo uh, uh, to uh, prove it. Very, very romantic kissing in front of the um, Eiffel uh, Tower. One of my, my favourite photos. In fact, after the conference had finished, uh, you can take that off uh, uh, now. <laughs> causing me to get out of breath, but uh, I just... <laughs> That there's, it was one of my, and I remember, let's go out for a week. We'd finished the conference. It was time to celebrate. We went out for, for, for dinner. And of course, Anita's got a BA in French. If you don't know that she was a French teacher in India, but I didn't realize she'd forgotten all her French. And so we went into, we picked this place we went in and this guy comes up to us and there's all mostly men there pretty much. And he comes up to us and bonjour de vachet de goose, I'm like, I have no idea what's he saying. She's like, I don't know. We just want a pizza. <laughs> so it's like, he's like, he's looking very worried and concerned. And so we were just like, okay. And then, then about, I don't know, a couple of minutes later, music starts. Dun, 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 dun. And out come these lady police officers. Well, I don't know if they were police officers. They had handcuffs and they were all dressed in leather. And they came, and the next thing, I, I can't tell you what happened after that because Anita blocked my eyes, <laughs> and we were out of that place. So that, that's my 25th, very exciting, um, over in Paris. But I want to tell you, we're a normal couple. We're a normal couple. We have fights. We have disagreements. We argue good, like real good, <laughs> regularly. And, uh, you know, I... I, I I've just got to learn that she's right. <laughs> I've just got... Now look, before we, before we jump in, I, I want to acknowledge that for some people here today, uh, talking, even talking about this can be difficult. And, and 
you know, maybe you've been through a relationship that didn't work out like you'd hoped, dreamed, or uh, planned, and I, and, and I acknowledge that struggle today. I acknowledge that uh, pain today. You have, I acknowledge that pain that you've felt or perhaps are still even feeling. I think this message will possibly run, rub some people the wrong, wrong way. I'm, I'm not intending to do that, but I'm going to say what I need to say. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I love couching it with humor, but I'm a preacher, not a clown. And so I'm gonna, I, I need to say things that, that may be a counterculture and may be different to what the world would, would say. But we need to speak about it because I, I, I do think there is an absolute, there's absolutely no disputing that marriage and family is under ever-increasing attack. Do you know that more than 50% of all marriages succeed? You thought I was going to say fail, didn't you? I don't know why people concentrate that, but, but more marriages succeed when people put the effort in and the energy in. More than 50% of marriages succeed. They make it. They get through. But there's no doubt marriage and family is under attack. Luther, one of the church fathers of the 14th century, he said this. He said, there is no estate to which Satan is more opposed as to marriage. There is no estate to which Satan is more opposed as to marriage. My friends, if that was true in the 14th century, it is surely true today. Marriage and family are under ever-increasing attack. And if, of course, I, I'm talking about the tra traditional Judeo-Christian institution of marriage. That in Scripture is defined as the union of one man and one woman in marriage. And as we know, our Western society has endeavored to define or somewhat redefine marriage and family. But as a follower of Christ, I cannot and I will not. Not because I'm mean, not because I'm homophobic or unloving. And listen, if I'm honest, if you're, a, if you're looking for a church that sort of embraces a wider view of such things, this church is probably not, not going to be your church. I'm just saying, you'll struggle because, because we're going to hold to a Christian orthodoxy as we speak. See, and the reason, it's not because I'm unloving, because I'm uncaring, but I, I, I need to, for me, the Bible is the word of God. Thank you for the three who acknowledged that. I said the Bible is the word of God. It's his holy word. Second Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture, I believe this, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. I mean, we don't like that. We don't like reproof. We don't like correction. We don't like that kind of stuff, but Scripture's good for it. And for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Do you know God desires that you would be complete? 
And we are complete in him. That's our justification, but our sanctification, he's, he's working in us. Now, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good, good work. I, I, I believe that. I, I, I believe that the, the word of God is alive. It's, it's not something for yesterday. Oh, it's just such an old fashion. No, I believe it's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, it tells us in Hebrews 4, verse 12. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow of the heart. Nothing, and of course that's where a lot of people stop, but sometimes it's really interesting to, to read the verses past, past that. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. I've got to give an account. You've got to give an account. There will be a day where we give an account. So for me, the word, not the world, defines marriage. For, for me. The word, not the world, defines marriage for me. One of the presidents of the United States, you might know him, Abraham Lincoln, he once asked the audience, how many legs a dog has if you count the tail as a leg? The audience answered five. Lincoln told them the answer was four. The fact that you called the tail a leg did not make it a leg. The world can and is defining marriage and family any way it likes. And, and the world can do that. But the tail is never going to be a leg. The world can say whatever it likes. It can legislate whatever it likes. But truth is still truth. And so as a Christian, we should try to live our life not just looking at the word, but living through the word as we look into the world as believers that that should be the lens through which we view the world will that cause you some trouble probably and so i just want to remind us of a couple of things today about biblical marriage that that are i think important and easily forgotten number one christian marriage is not just a piece of paper in society where cohabitation is becoming or has become the norm, I've had many Christians over the years tell me or describe marriage, and, and like I said, I'm not worried what the world's doing, I'm talking about us. If you're here today and you're visiting and you're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, I, again, just please, you, you could, you'll, you'll leave here understanding a bit about how Christians see this and why they see it as important. So in society where cohabitation is becoming or has become the norm, I've had many Christians tell me it's just a piece of paper, nothing more. And I want to say, no, it's not. Marriage is God's idea and God's ideal. Some influencer said this, God made man, God made women, man made marriage and expletived it all up. No. Marriage is God's idea and God's ideal. It was instituted, listen, by God for the benefit of mankind in the beginning. Genesis 2, verses 18 through 24. It says, Then the Lord 
God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper, another version says companion, fit for him. And it goes on to say, so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast. The ones that says he will leave so he can cleave to his wife. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And then verse 25 says this, and the man and his wife. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The man and his wife. Not the boyfriend and their girlfriend. <laughs> not the man and his bit or his chick on the side. Now, it's not the boyfriend and the girlfriend. I had to ask the girls in the new life office because I don't know what all the modern terminology is but afterwards I couldn't use it anyway I know you worked hard Kath but I, I couldn't use it because I wanted to be careful right I, I you know we're online but um, I, 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 I but I had to ask them because I didn't because sometimes I'm not sure what words mean I, and I, I started to remember a story actually and I'm not going to say who it is but it was someone because they may be sitting here but, but we had an American team. I remember the team where words got mixed up. And the American team, it was a win, win, they'd come to New Zealand and they were doing some outreach around Kapiti and whatever, and they were billeted by people in the, in the church. And this one girl, we heard, that, heard the story. So she, anyway, it's a cold, wintry night. And, and so she's getting into bed. She just arrived here in New Zealand, first time in New Zealand. And to the American girl, the host of the house, the lady went in, tapped on the door and said, are you all right? Yes, you're getting all settled, settled in. And uh, then the lady from New Zealand said, would you like a hottie? <laughs> and the girl's like, excuse me? I, she found out that hottie meant something else completely different uh, over there in America. So I wanted to get the words, words right. It was the man and his wife. A a listen. Adam and Eve weren't just living together. They weren't cohabitating. They weren't bow and bay. <laughs> uh, they weren't. They were husband and wife. And friends, you've got to understand, it's interesting that pretty much, and this is universal, it's easy to check out, you can look at pretty much any culture, regardless of religion, any culture, and I want to tell you, a man traditionally, I'm not saying people don't do it, but a man traditionally cannot go and just cohabitate traditionally. I'm not saying people don't do that, but I'm just saying traditionally in, in civil society, in, the, in, in whatever the patterns of society, traditionally a man cannot just go and cohabitate without first having that relationship consecrated. He can't cohabitate without the consecrate. 
See, most societies will insist that, that, that some kind of ceremony takes place, that they'll, they'll have, a, have a thing. Every, every, and it's pretty much universal right across societies. It's kind of like it's kind of written on societies or mankind's heart. I think that's in the Bible, maybe somewhere. It's like it's written there. People just know. And so in most cultures, a man can't just consummate without first consecrating the relationship by getting married. It's just how it is. What do I mean? Each culture is different. Of course, each culture is different. They have different ways that they do that. In Islamic culture, a man may have five Five wives, I don't want to hear any amens. <laughs> but in Islamic culture, a man can have five wives, but he must be married to all of them. We've got to understand that. And, and, and it's just how it is. In most cultures, getting married is followed by some kind of ceremony that takes place. Most cultures traditionally consecrate before they consummate. It's universal. Marriage is God's idea. So was sex. God thought up the idea of sex. And God's never had a dirty thought. He thought it up. Sex is not just for pleasure, but for procreation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. This is often called the, the cultural mandate, or the creation Mandate. Marriage was what? Was to provide a protective environment for children to grow and flourish. <laughs> when I read this, I, I always go back to, to, to this joke I heard John Walton share years ago. It's just, uh, you know, you get these jokes that are locked in your, um, in your mind. And do you want to hear it? It's just, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, you know. God's like with, with Adam, talking with Adam, and he's like, Adam, we've got to get this go forth and multiply thing going on. We've got to get it, come on, we've got to get it underway. We've, we've got, I, 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 I want to teach you about it. I want you to go and find Eve and give her a cuddle. And Adam says to God, Lord, what is a cuddle? And then God explains it all to him, and Adam goes, goes off. He's gone for half an hour, comes back, big smile on his face. said, that, that was nice. That was nice, Lord. And the Lord's like, yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that. He said, now I want you to go and give Eve a kiss. And he says, Lord, what is a kiss? And God explained it to him. And he went away. And half an hour he was gone. He comes, comes back. He said, oh, Lord, I really liked that. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that more than the cuddle. And the Lord was like, yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> and then he, then he said, now it is time for you to make love. And he said, Lord, what does it mean to make love? The Lord explained it to him. And um, he was like, okay. And he went away to find Eve. 30 seconds though, he was back. <laughs> and he said, Lord, what is a headache? <laughs> but man is resourceful. Can I just say, <laughs> man is resourceful. Adam, three days later, Goes in to see Eve, and he's carrying, holding a glass of water, and he's got something in his hand. And Eve says, what, what is that? 
She said, it's a glass of water and two aspirin. She's like, what's that for? Your headache. She's like, I don't have a headache. And he's like, come on, amen, hallelujah. Jordan Peterson, who many of you will know, is a clinical psychologist and you know, he studied societies and whatever. He, he said this on marriage. He said, it's not just a metaphor that marriage is the bedrock of society. It is actually the bedrock of society. It's not just a metaphor. It actually is the bedrock of society. Destroy it and you destroy society as we know it. Marriage is far more, please understand, marriage is far more than just a piece of paper. So it's important that we understand in this age of cohabitation, please understand that, that living, living together is not the same as marriage. It's not. Living together is not the same as marriage. But we love each other, I have no doubt. I'm, I'm not saying you don't. But it's not the same as marriage. People say to me, well, it, well it's kind of like being married. And I'm like, well, if it's kind of like being married, then why don't you get married? Well, we're committed to each other. We're, we're, we're committed to each other. And this is point number, uh, number two. I'm just saying if you're not married, you're not committed. And don't get mad, don't, don't throw stuff at me, don't, don't dent my car or scratch it on the way out. But please understand, I'm speaking from a biblical perspective here. People say we're, we're committed, we love each other, so what's the big deal? Why should we get married? And I, I'm just saying, from a biblical point of view, if you're not married, you're not committed. Because marriage is the commitment, biblically. That's, the, that's what the Bible lays out as the commitment. If you're not married, you're not committed. Now, 30 years ago, this was not a controversial statement. Marriage is God's standard. It's the standard by which the commitment is measured. Hebrews 13 verse 4, marriage should be honored. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Biblically, the covenant of marriage is the commitment. See, marriage in Scripture is, is holy. It's sacred. I mean, think about it. Marriage is used as a picture of Christ and His church. It's the picture that's in, in Ephesians that's given of Christ and His church. He uses the picture or the illustration of of marriage, to, to describe the relation, the covenant of marriage, to describe the relationship between Christ and his church. He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. And remember, as it was in the beginning, the covenant of marriage, please understand, it involves not just two, but three. First, God then the man and the woman. And every marriage ceremony that I do, I will always read out and 
Many others do. Two, we will read out Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And we, we, we do that to describe having, you know, two strands is. But having that third strand, that, that, the strength of the, the rope increases exponentially. Having God, having, and we talk about it when we're doing the marriage ceremony, that, that, that having God in it brings strength and when we submit our lives to God, when we submit our relationships to God, it brings strength. And see, this is how marriage is different than, than, than cohabitation. See, in marriage, in the marriage ceremony, it's God who joins. It's God who does the joining. It's God who does the joining that the two might become One. And as ministers in every wedding ceremony, we will quote the words of Jesus found in Matthew 19, verse 6, and in other passages. It says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let me read you the whole passage. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. I mean, that's controversial these days. And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. There it is again, in the old and in the new. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, remember this is Jesus speaking, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And this is the context of this passage as well. It's divorce. It's like people saying, oh, can we do it? It's like, no, no, here's God's idea and God's ideal. Christian marriage is much more than a piece of paper. It is a covenant. Don't start yet, Hannah, but I see you. I know you're there. I've got you. So Christian marriage is, is much more than just a piece of paper. It is a covenant. Marriage is God's standard for commitment. Henry Smith, the Puritan preacher, I can't remember what century he, he lived. I think maybe the 15th century. He said, and I never th thought about this in this way. He said, before man had any other calling, he was called to be a husband. Before man had any other calling, he was called to be a husband. Now, I, I know, I, I know, some will find this a hard word today. I, I know that. I know you'll find, oh, man. It's, it's, uh, and, and can I encourage you, that don't, don't go out of here going, yeah, was the pastor talking to you? <laughs> I think it's, don't do that. I'm a preacher, I've got to preach. And I tell you what, there's so much pressure on preachers to just shut up. But I am uninterested in doing messages that are going to, you're going to be awesome and have your best life now. <laughs> Times may get tougher for us. If you want to hold fast to the word of God. If you want to follow him in spirit and in truth, things may get tougher. 
Because we're not called to just flow with what... We're, we're, we're upstream kind of people, right? Yeah. Only dead fish go with the flow. Friends, you've got to understand, we've got to fight. We've got to be countercultural. Again, the, the, the word of God is our lens. And so I'm aware today that even what I'm speaking here will challenge people today. But I know that people will find it a hard word. But as believers, I need to say this, as believers, we, we have to be careful about trying to soften hard words. Jesus spoke some hard things. And we can't just say, oh, I don't like that one. Oh, I like that one. No, he spoke some hard things. Or we, we take all the word of God. Because here, here's the thing. It's not like we, we just go and find the bits of the Bible that we like. The truth is we don't just read the Bible. The Bible should be reading us. It, it should be working on our heart and, and our state. And as disciples of Christ, we understand no matter, no matter how hard the, the word is, we don't change the word to suit us. See, see, we don't change the word of God. The word of God should be changing us. Should be changing us. We don't change it to suit us. No, no, it, it changes if we read it honestly and openly and allow this word that is alive and sharper than any, it should read Read us and it should change us. And so I'm here to say today the, that marriage is good. It is not some form of patriarchal enslavement or some sentence as the progressive pundits would label it to be. True biblical marriage, the union of two hearts and minds, Body, soul, and spirit, the two becoming one, is good. It's a good thing. And friends, we've got to understand, it's not a, this is how biblical marriage is different, right? It's, it's not a 50-50 arrangement. Well, what do you do? We, you know, we just do 50. No, no, it's a 100-100% arrangement. We give it our all. It's not about what can I get from this relationship, it's what can I give this relationship. It's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. And it's good. Genesis 2 verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Or make him a helper, a companion fit for, for him. Do you know this is the first time in scripture where God says something is not good? Well, yeah, he creates the world good. There's light, then there's dark, you know, it, is, it was good. All through creation, it was good, good, good. This is the first time he says something's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We, we need relationship. And please understand, if you're not married here today and longing to get married, you are not half a person. You are complete. Oh, he completes me. No, he doesn't. Get married, you'll quickly find out. I'm just telling you. 
You're not half a person. You're looking for something, you know. No, no, no. You, you are complete. You are complete in him, the Bible says. But there's nothing like finding a, a life partner to go through for better and for worse. For richer and for poorer. For sickness and in health. There's an epidemic in our society of loneliness. He will make a companion. I love what Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, describes the union of how he, he describes the union of marriage in his 17th century commentary of the whole Bible. And this is often quoted at wedding ceremonies, but I think it's important. It says the woman was made out of the rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Before a man had any other calling, he was called to be a husband. And the truth is, and I don't have time for it today, on the whole, marriage statistically, statistically researched, thorough research. On the whole, marriage statistic, those who are married are happier, healthier, live longer, and are wealthier. That's a fact. Again, I'm not saying marriage is easy. Someone said marriages are made in heaven, but man is responsible for the maintenance work. I always remember that clip i think it was the two ronnies it, it, it was just it was he was pretending to be james taylor and he's singing that so you just call he's writing the song out my name and you know where and it's like in the background it's like james so like, oh, he's like you just call out my name james <laughs> and you know wherever i am i'll come james can you stop it woman I'm trying to write this hit song. <laughs> I'll come running. First man must choose his love and then he must love his choice. Successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. No matter what society says, I'm nearly done. Marriage is not merely a meaningless piece of paper. I'm, I, I'm not telling anyone off today. I am encouraging people to get married, to think about getting married. What's stopping you will help you. Marriage is good. It's God's idea. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. We don't just change the word of God. The word of God should change us. Was that all right? Hopefully, okay, okay, thank you. Hang on, I'm gonna finish with a joke. I'm gonna finish with a, because I, I thought I better, you know, sandwich. I thought this one was funny. A man's driving down the road, and, and, and suddenly this hare jumps out in front of his car. Boom, he hits the car, kills the hare, pulls over the side of the road, he's devastated, gets out of his car, looks at it, you can see that the hare's, the hare's dead, it's just dead. Suddenly this lady pulls up behind him. She says, what's wrong? He's like, I've hit the hair. I've killed it. She's like, oh, no, don't worry. She goes into a car, rustles through a suitcase, comes out with a can. Puts the can over that thing. The hair jumps up. 
It goes for 10 meters, it jumps up, comes alive, jumps up, goes 10 meters, turns around and goes another 10 meters, turns around and goes another 10 meters, turns around. And the guy goes, what's that spray? What's that spray? She shows him, he reads the label. Hairspray. Revives dead hair, leaves permanent wave. Okay, I just thought I'd, I'll just, just try and help you. That's all right. We'll just sandwich that beautifully. Would you stand? Hannah. There we go. I don't It's just like the keyboard and the joke wasn't going to do it. Let me pronounce this blessing over you. And again, just, again, I hope you hear the pastor's heart. I've got to preach the word. And so many pastors are afraid of, of just saying what needs to be said. We can't do that. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for every marriage and every relationship, Father God, in this place. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. We thank you that it is alive, that it is powerful. God, and we thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the, uh, for the, the fact that your word speaks to us. So we go from this place today knowing, God, that your heart is for us. You desire that we, we succeed in these areas of our life. We want to follow you. Your word says if, if we love you, we'll, we'll obey your commandments. And so we desire to do that. And so God, we come to you today in need of you. Do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Let me pronounce a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said,